At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Hi, welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center. Recently, the Kentucky Department of Education launched a website portal called Considerations for Building Safe and Supportive Schools for LGBTQI plus students. They say that LGBT students often face systemic and societal barriers to success and that Kentucky schools can proactively work to support their LGBT students by taking simple steps to build a safe and supportive environment for them to learn and grow. But there's more to it. Joining us on the Commonwealth Matters today is Kentucky State Senator and Majority Whip Mike Wilson. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks, Richard. Glad to be here. Mike, you had first brought this to my attention. I was not aware of this until recently, and you had sent me an email and a link to this website portal, and um, I read through it, and after a while, really didn't take long, I could see why you were concerned about this. But I want to start with this premise that where I'm trying to find maybe some common ground, if I could, if there is any common ground. I like to, first of all, think the best of somebody before I'll make a judgment. And I'll make it clear, I do hope the public schools succeed because it benefits all of us. It benefits individuals when kids can read and write and use their God-given potential. Part of this document says that they intend to stop bullying and harassment, and then the idea of um, having a supportive environment. Is there anything wrong with any of that, what I just said? Bullying, harassment, you want to have a supportive environment? No, not at all. I mean, when I was chairman of the Education Committee, we did pass anti-bullying legislation that came from a task force. Uh, that was when Steve Bashir was in you know, office as governor. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that established that. And so uh, eventually legislation came and and we did pass it. Anti-bullying legislation. There's, you know, that's totally reasonable that our kids should not be bullied at school. But I mean, you know, when you went to school, when my kids went to school, and by the way, they all went to public school, um, you know, they faced that. I remember my son specifically you know, facing some of that um, bullying, um, and yet he was on the football team. He was top lifter, and but he was just a sensitive kid, you know, yeah. Yeah. with all of that. So uh, we know it goes on um, in schools, and yes, we're trying to do everything we can to stop it. So yes, so so, and I and I agree with that. I think that regardless of where the student is, um, even even LGBT students, it, uh, and I come at this from a Christian perspective. That if I see right. anybody bullied from for any reason, I should step in and say, "No, that's wrong." Right. So I think the I think the goal here is laudable. We we don't want bullying, but as you mentioned, you've been dealing with the bullying issue for years. It right. I, actually is illegal. I understand. For, for any reason, right now in the Kentucky schools, bullying is, right. is illegal. Right. And there are serious consequences for that. 
Yes, and, and staff are supposed to take action on that as soon as it is reported to them. So, so it's already illegal, and that, which makes us wonder, well, why, why this document? So let, let's, look at, let's look at some of the things that uh, uh, raise some questions. Um, inclusivity is one of the terms that's introduced. They're trying to create an inclusive learning environment, which right. hopefully that has been going on all along. Where you, mm-hmm. you It's a public school. By law, they have to include everybody, regardless right. of their background, socioeconomic status, ethnicity, right. uh, that they have to uh, welcome everybody. But this is how they define, at the Kentucky Department of Education, uh, inclusive curriculums. A safe and supportive learning environment begins with the adoption of an inclusive curriculum. An inclusive curriculum is one that affirms all students. Representation of those from diverse backgrounds is an important part of building a healthy school culture and climate. Inclusive curriculum should seek to elevate positive lived experiences of those from diverse backgrounds without avoiding painful past events. Now, what caught my attention there, Mike, was uh, to elevate positive lived experiences. I, I think you could probably make that to mean a number of things, but what I'm hearing in regards to an LGBT document, it seems to promote LGBT identity as healthy and good. That's how I'm interpreting it. Yeah, I would I would say you're right in that, but you know, that's not what I pay our teachers with my tax dollars to teach. I teach, you know, I pay for them to teach my kid how to read, how to write, you know, the history as accurate history, um, language, you know, the English language and grammar and all of those things. I, I don't pay them for teaching K through 12 these uh, social politically correct concepts. And also you'll see in there too, they, they want to say that whatever a kid wants to be called, whether he wants to be called her or him or it, I guess, whatever, or they, is one they of the terms. yeah, whatever they want to be called. And I think, especially if you have children, if we're talking like grades one through three, mm-hmm. this is so confusing. And parents, if parents knew about this, they'd be up in arms because they're trying to teach their kids these concepts of what life's all about and be respectful and, you know, who they are as kids growing up, and yet this will be very confusing to them, in my opinion. So, Mike, uh, to your point about preferred names and pronouns, they suggest this. Again, this is the Kentucky Department of Education uh, recommendation to public schools and public school teachers across the Commonwealth. They say this, educators should seek to use the preferred names and pronouns of students should the student request it. What comes to mind is correct uh, grammar. You have we're, we have biology classes, right? We have English classes, right? Biology says that if you are born male with an XY chromosome, yeah. uh, then then you use the pronouns. English teaches us to use the pronouns of he, him, his, right? If you're female, born with an XX chromosome, you use the pronouns she, hers, uh, th- those kind of things. Right. So. This is not what the Kentucky Department of Education is teaching here. Is this fair to teachers, Senator Wilson, to tell them to to tell them that they should seek to use the preferred pronouns of the students that are requesting it? Well, let me do let me do say this. This is a recommended 
thing that they're putting out. It's not being done through the law. It's not being done by regulation. It's being put out there as a resource, and that's how they feel like they can get around doing this, um, that this is what they recommend to their teachers. And um, it's called a toolkit. You know, I mean, when you look through what they have out there, and I, I know you've looked at it too as well, um, the things that they have on there, certainly I just don't think we need to be teaching that in high school or any other grade for that matter. Yeah, and we're going to get to some of the other controversial elements of this, the toolkit. Um, and you bring up a good point that this is, a, it's a list of recommendations. They're right. not mandating it absolutely right. to the schools and to the teachers. Right. Uh, but perhaps someday they may mandate it. Yeah. I mean, if they could, they would, I believe. Mike, one of the uh, things that they do state in this is that, generally speaking, uh, parents have rights to guide their children's education. Now, the term that jumped out at me is generally speaking. <laughs> I thought that parents had the primary obligation, uh, the, the primary right to guide their children's education. Am I you, missing something? I think parents feel like they have the primary right. We've seen this in Kentucky. Homeschooling is more than doubled over the last couple of years, mm -hmm. which is a sign of a lack of trust, mm -hmm. you know, in those school systems uh, than what they used to have. And also we see it's become a political issue. I mean, you look at the elections in Virginia, it, it played a big part in that. You see that uh, the school board members being recalled in San Francisco, no less. Um, these are issues that parents deeply concern about their children. I mean, it's like the old mama bear, you know, you mess with her cubs and uh, she's coming after you. And so we're seeing this all over. So yes, parents have that absolute right to determine where their kids go to school and what they're learning and those kind of things. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles, then get plugged into CPC's resources. Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at cpc for kentucky I want to go back to the uh, guidelines here that KDE recommends. Um, it, they talk about parents' desires as well. They say this, Parents are afforded wide latitude to determine the educational path of their children, assuming that there is no safety concern. If the school is unable to honor this request, that is, refer to the student by one name and keep communications with parents under another name, then efforts should be made to inform parents only with the student's consent that the student has requested them to use these pronouns and the school is determined to honor this request. So, Mike, w what they're saying is that they should m make an effort to inform parents if the child at school is identifying with the opposite gender, the uh, gender other than what they were born as, but only with the student's consent. W what do you do with that? You were the chair of the education committee. Yeah. Um, you dealt with a lot of the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic, how Kentucky's yes. comparing to other states, are our right. kids learning? 
Are, are they ready for the world once they graduate? Was this stuff, by the way, I'm going to take a step back. Did you deal with this when you were chair of the Education Committee in the state Senate? You know, not this, not this right here. And that was only not. a couple years ago. When did you... Well, actually, I think it's been almost uh, five years okay. ago. That Time I was, flies. It does. I, yeah. I've been the majority whip now. This is my fifth year. So, okay. and, but uh, I was there five years. I was chair. But uh, certainly there were issues about transgender bathrooms and things like that that came up. And, uh, but not this type of thing where you're dealing with the pronoun they prefer. I have a real problem with them you know, deciding they're going to call the student this but not tell their parents because they requested they don't. You know, I know that there are situations where children face, you know, abuse at home and things like that. And so I I can understand wanting to protect kids, that kind of thing, and maybe that's what they're thinking about. But I still don't think they have the right to do that. And I think that honestly think there are people with good intentions that came up with this. It just comes from a different worldview and a different set of principles that I have. And when we talk about public education, this is really important to note. You're you're talking about educating um, the next generation with basic skills so that they can thrive in the world. And we've agreed that you should understand the English Mm -hmm. language. You should understand math. You should understand how to write. We should know something about history. We should know something about civics. In fact, there was a bill that the state legislature recently passed, the Teaching American Principles Act, which required the teaching of historical documents, some of our founding documents like the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. It required the teaching of important speeches throughout history. It also forbade divisive introduction of um, topics that would divide based on race, ethnicity, or gender. Right. It was an end-around way to address the CRT issue. And essentially right. what the legislature did, by wide margins in both houses, they said, we're, we're going to teach the things that bind us together as Americans. We're going to teach those parts of history that every graduate should know. And we're going to keep out the divisive things. Would you see this in that same category of bringing something divisive into the classroom? Absolutely, I would. Um, and let, let me just back up and say, we, this is not a significant problem in the schools that we need to be addressing it. You know, bullying is, you know, and we've constantly uh, tried to address that through legislation and making schools accountable for dealing with that. But the biggest problem that we have right now is our kids can't read. So tell me more about that. I want to press into this. I hear that Kentucky often that we're at the bottom of the barrel or we are. in comparison to other states. Tell we me. are. If a child can't read by third grade, Richard, mm-hmm. that's a true sign that they're going to be a dropout. And, you know, every child should be able to read by third grade. I, I had my granddaughter with me. She just finished second grade. And I'm, you know, talking to her and, you know, saying, what does that say? I mean, can you read? She goes, I can read. And so I was just really impressed with that. But that's because her mom read to her, I read to her, her grandmother read to her. You know, we did the same with our kids. But a lot of kids don't have that benefit. And it's taken us four years to get to a place to adopt what we call Read to Succeed that was utilized in Mississippi, that Mississippi went from the bottom to like number one in reading. So their kids are reading by the third grade? Is yes. Is this what the read for yes. to succeed? Yes. 
they are, you know, reading uh, at at the um, I don't know what the different levels are, but they're they're definitely reading at the level they need to be for a third grade kid. And uh, so we were trying to push that because uh, we have a program called Read Read to Achieve, which is a great program, but only about ten thousand of our kids in our schools are getting this. We have over six hundred and fifty thousand, I think, children in our school system. And um, basically, this system, the Read to Succeed, addresses kids at all levels, you know, of uh, our school system, and it will work with every single child. So, I, I mean, you cannot do anything unless you can read. That is the most important skill, and that's what we need to be focused on. We just passed this legislation, and we need to be focused on that rather than stuff like this, in my opinion. Yeah, well, you are a, a state senator representing the Bowling Green area. You are a majority whip. You're in leadership in the state Senate, so you do have some say uh, in this. Um, senator Wilson, I'd like to uh, reference something or bring up something that the Kentucky Department of Education brings up uh, in this toolkit. They're essentially saying that they have to do this, to, in particular, allow students to determine their own gender and for teachers to support that. That's what they're recommending. They're saying that Title IX requires them to, to respect the student's gender identity. Part of this comes from a Supreme Court ruling that expanded Title IX, which gave um, equal treatment to uh, girls, um, ethnicities. There couldn't be discrimination. Right. in public schools based right. in, in particularly sex discrimination. Mm-hmm. Supreme Court expanded the definition of sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity. And I, it seems to me that that's what the Kentucky Department of Education is doing here. How, how do we address that? If, they're, if they are referring to Title IX. Title IX was very specific. It was dealing with women and specifically, more specifically, I believe it was women's sports. That's right. And uh, so what we see today is an assault against that with transgendered males, you know, like the one swimmer, um, you know, that's been in the media so much out there. But women fought so long to be able to have their own sports and to be able to compete for years. And now you have people that are trying to get into women's sports because they can't compete as a man. You know, the swimmer, uh, Thomas. Leah Thomas. Yeah, Leah Thomas, yeah. uh, Was just a mediocre swimmer in the men's. Mm -hmm. But once uh, said she was a woman and doing all that, has now, you know, excelled and been the winner of these different things. And, And it's not fair. It's definitely not fair. Scientifically, it's not fair. You can say you're a woman all you want to, but you're not going to change from XY to XX. You cannot change your chromosomes, you know, and uh, you just have an unfair advantage as a male over a female. The UK's uh, very accomplished swimmer, Riley Gaines, uh, has been very vocal lately because Leah Thomas has been nominated as the NCAA Woman of the Year. Uh, 
UK's Riley Gaines was also nominated, yeah. and she was very, uh, very clear that that was not fair. To your point, um, that that was uh, in. Uh, she said that it was a slap to women in, in the face. I agree. Uh, all the women who have worked hard and competed um, in women's sports, mm-hmm. and um, this is where, and this is why we're talking about this issue. There's consequences to it, aren't there, Mike? When when yes. the Kentucky Department of Education has a toolkit and guidance, um, essentially elevating, here's how I interpret it, they're elevating LGBT identity as good, healthy, and wholesome. They're creating a specialized class, if you will, and in the process of doing this, of acknowledging and creating this class, um, they are ignoring their mission of educating, mm-hmm. um, but then they're also marginalizing the values of many Kentuckians that yes. see this as wrong and unhealthy and unhelpful to their kids. Yeah. I so, think that there'll be boards out there that'll say, we're not doing this. You know, I just think there will be. You'll still have uh, certain teachers that'll want to utilize it and do that. But I, I just, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that I know some boards, like if you look at Jefferson County, they'll, they'll probably be more than happy to adopt this. But I think a lot of your rural areas and stuff, they'll just think, no way, we're not doing that. So, Mike, let's talk about some of the curriculum that they are promoting. One is the, the gingerbread person, the gender bread, yes. which has the picture of a gingerbread man, and it ha- points to the heart, it points to the genitals, and it explains sexual identity, sexual issues, if you will, to a very young child. This, you don't have the gingerbread man in high school. No. To learn something. But this no. is geared towards young people, probably kindergarten through maybe fourth grade. Yes. And uh, they have a link here to genderbread.org. Um, and they're using it. They claim that they've used it in classrooms as young as fourth grade. I suspect it's probably being used in younger than that. I would think so. Is there an issue when uh, Department of Education has links to things like this? There are other links. So, so before you answer that, <laughs> GLSEN, uh, Gay, Lesbian, yeah. Straight Educators Network, which is a very uh, uh, politicized uh, group pushing LGBT identities in the school. Yes. And there are other groups as well. The Reading the Rainbow is another one. LGBTQ inclusive literacy in the elementary classroom. These are things that are on the Kentucky Department of Education's website that they're offering as resources for teachers and schools to uplift this how, how what do you do is this appropriate first of all i i definitely don't think it is appropriate i mean to offer resources uh like this i i think what you're trying to do with something of this nature is introduce something into kids when they are the most pliable when they're young and this is is trying to introduce an agenda in my opinion Rather than, you know, kids have a hard enough time it is, especially in, when they're in high school, junior high, going into high school. Uh, I remember my son in junior high, between 7th and 8th grade, got that burst of testosterone and really started to change. And you could see the changes in him. And the girls change even earlier. And, and they're just trying to figure out who they are. And they don't need all this stuff to be confused and think, well, maybe I'm a girl. Maybe I'm a girl instead of a guy, you know. 
I, they don't need to ponder this in school. You know, they need to be teaching them history, civics, you know, English language for, for sure, you know, and uh, mathematics and all, all that. I mean, it, it just it, it baffles me. So it used to be that uh, schools reinforced a moral structure, that there was a moral center, there were guidelines for right and wrong, and those have been jettisoned in recent decades, and now arguably they're pushing a morality that's very foreign to, uh, and, and as I, my worldview teaches me, that God gives us moral boundaries. He makes us male and female, gives us moral boundaries by which to express sexuality. Sex is a gift, but it's best expressed within marriage, yes. uh, that uh, our identity is already fixed at birth. We hear terms, Mike, like um, gender assigned at birth, which makes it sound like the doctor and the parents conspired to come up with something <laughs> that's, that's not, no. that, not in accordance with reality. Um, what would be, the, I'm thinking of the, the Christian teacher, and we've got just a couple minutes here, but the Christian teacher who might have this brought to them where maybe there's a principal or the school board, let Jefferson County Public Schools, uh, biggest school system in Kentucky. Yes. What if they issued a directive saying, you will use the preferred gender pronouns of the student, and you will not tell the parents that that child in your classroom is identifying as the opposite gender, and you will make these resources available. How, what would be your words of wisdom to that Christian teacher that really loves kids and they want to teach, and yet they're conflicted and they're told to do something that they believe is morally wrong and not helpful to the student? Well, I, I think there comes a point in everyone's life where you know, you have to stand up for what you believe in. And people say, well, you're not being sensitive to that person or that teacher or their job. They may lose their job. You know, I guess I think about it a little bit differently, Richard. I mean, if I had to lose my job, I'd lose my job. That's just me. Now, I can't tell them that. But, you know, I would, um, I just would have to tell them, you know, I can't do that. This is not law. It's not, you know, regulations. I'm here about teaching these things, and I'll teach those things that I'm supposed to teach, but I'm not going to utilize this. We've got time for just one more question. I've heard it said, in fact, somebody in the Department of Education that said that we, the curriculum should not be dictated by the legislature. What, how do you respond to that? And this is in response to the CRT bills that were coming up mm-hmm. in the legislature this last session. Um, but you, you're going to hear a similar argument with this. The state government should stay out of what's going on in the public schools. Well, I would be very clear to them to tell them that the Constitution actually charges the legislature with the responsibility to make sure we have common schools. That's number one. And so when we're the ones that are responsible, um, that means that we have the ability to do legislation to make sure our schools are doing what they need to do. And we've done it repeatedly. So to come to us and tell us, we actually set it up so that teachers could actually be involved in the process of putting curriculum together. But there's kind of lines, and when you go outside the lines, it's our job to say, no, you got to get back inside the line. And, and just to draw the white lines down the road and say, as long as you're inside the lines, you're good. And I think that's really uh, what our job is. Senator Mike Wilson, thank you so much for joining us on the Commonwealth Matter. Thank you for having me.